0: Signature win from Mike Anderson. Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello and I am your host. Bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. And I've got a little bit of a different show for you guys this time out. Uh, we're going to be doing my my brief, brief thoughts. I'm just going to give my brief thoughts on the loss on Saturday night against Marquette. Uh, the Red Storm finished the regular season out with a 85-77 to loss on Saturday night against Marquette on the road. Just going to give my brief thoughts on that for a couple of minutes, and then I'm going to be joined by Jay DeMeo. Uh, who's come on this show many, many times over the past couple of years. Jay and I are going to talk the St. John's regular season, kind of give a recap of the regular season, what went so wrong for St. John's, what if anything went right for St. John's this regular season in a very, very disappointing regular season for the Red Storm. We're going to talk all of that and then we're going to do a little bit of a Big East preview. We're going to talk the Big East tournament which begins on Wednesday uh, at Madison Square Garden. We're going to talk St. John's slim chances of making a run if jay thinks that they can make a run we'll see uh, i don't know about that we're going to talk about the favorites you know the villanovas providence yukon's all them we're going to talk about the sleepers is there a surprise team that's going to come out and make a run maybe it's st john's who knows but is there going to be a team like we saw with georgetown last year that makes this cinderella run into the final on saturday night so we're going to talk about all of that with Jay DeMeo in just a few moments, uh, but first my brief thoughts on the loss against Marquette. St. John's loses 85 to 77 against the Golden Eagles. They fall to 16 and 14. They end the regular season at 16 and 14, eight and 11 in the conference. Uh, Picked to finish fourth in the conference but in the uh, coaches' preseason poll. St. John's finishes in seventh place in the conference. They win just eight conference games after winning 10 the previous year. And uh, they end really what was a, a very, very disappointing regular season. Uh, in this game, you know what did I see? I saw a team that was still making the same mistakes in game 30 that they were making in game 1 and game 2 and game 5 and game 10 and game 20 and game 25, the same mistakes. It's, a, it's basically the same team that we saw in early November that we're seeing now. Four months have passed. Nothing has really changed. I still see a coach that's trying to figure out who plays well with who. I'm still seeing a coach that's trying to figure out who his best five players are. I'm still seeing a coach trying to figure out what rotations work. I'm still seeing a coach doing these hockey-style substitutions, three, four guys in at a time, three, four guys come out at a time. I'm still seeing a team that doesn't really commit defensively. I'm still seeing a team that is giving up wide-open three-pointers time and time again against their opposition. And that's basically what I saw tonight. I'm still seeing a team on offense in the half court that looks totally lost. That is, you know, settling for jump shots. That's not getting their star Julian Champagny good looks. That doesn't really have any semblance of a set offense. The same stuff that I saw in Game 1 and Game 5 and Game 10, I'm seeing in Game 30. And that's, I think, one of the most frustrating things uh, that, that I that I really can say about this season. You know, even Anderson's first two years here, uh, of course, the COVID year in in 2020 and then last year in 21, I think one of the big things that we would all agree upon was that the team got better as the year went on. You know, the the 2020 team before that season got canceled, I think was playing its best basketball of the season, uh, you know, in, in, in late February and then into early March, really. Last year's team maybe faded a little bit down the stretch, but, you know, by February was a much better team than they were in late November and in December. This year's team, I, I think, is is basically the same team, like I said, that we saw in November, we're seeing now in March. There was just no improvement. There was really very little player improvement, I would say. I mean, look at this roster. What players would you say got better as the season went on? I think Wheeler, you could argue, got got a little bit better as the season went on, for sure. You know, from what we saw in non-conference play. And I think Joel Soriano ended up being, I would say, a decent contributor to this team after he really was was you know struggled a little bit in non-conference play as well. But outside of those two, I don't know if any other player really developed this season. A few guys, I would say, took a step back, actually, or, or underachieved this season. So it's, it's just things that we've seen all season long from this team, or I'm sorry, things that we've seen a lot in past seasons from this team, we did not see this season. We just did not see that development. We did not see this team getting better from game one to game 30 like we did last year. And that's the frustrating thing. In this game specifically, uh, you know, Champagne and Wheeler and Posh didn't really have it. Posh went scoreless. Champagne needed 17 shots to get 15 points, 6 of 17 from the field. Aaron Wheeler, 5 of 11 uh, shooting, 11 points, but went 0 of 4 from 3. Those three guys combined to go 0 of 9 from three point range and 11 of 32 from the field. Those three, Wheeler, Champagne, and Posh, your three best players. It was really, uh, you know, the St. John's bench, I I would say, that kept them in this game. The bench scores, what, 16, 35, 43 of their 77 points, led by Dylan Adewusu, who really broke out of his slump. In this one, with an eight of ten game from the field, nineteen points, uh, three of four from three point range, played twenty five minutes and deserved to play twenty five minutes. But still, you know, you talk about the team still making the same mistakes in game one that they are make in game thirty that they were making in game one, and the coach is still doing the same thing as well. You know, still pulling Wusu. He makes two or three shots in a row, pulls him, sits him on the bench for a couple minutes. Tariq Coburn, fantastic game on Wednesday night. 20 points on Wednesday night, senior night. Made, what, five three-pointers. Plays five minutes in this game. And takes two shots and misses them both. And goes scoreless. And really does nothing else to impact this game. You know, like I said, the, the coach is still making the same issues. The players are still making the same mistakes in Game 30 that we saw in Game 1. And I think... You know, as we round out the regular season now, now as we go ahead into the postseason, unless, you know, barring a miracle run in the Big East tournament to basically a Big East tournament title, I would say, uh, I still think this is going to go down as, as the most disappointing St. John season that I've ever watched, personally. When you look at the preseason expectations, you know, because this team just never once showed you that they were going to live up to those expectations. There was not one game this season or or one stretch of games this season, I should say, because there were individual games, one stretch of games of, of a three, four game stretch where I said, that's a top 30 team. That's a team that can win a game in the NCAA tournament. That's a team that could even maybe win two games in the NCAA tournament. That's a team that could finish top three in the Big East, which is what the expectations were, right? There was not one stretch of three, four games where you said that for sure. So I think that this goes down as the most disappointing season that I personally have watched a team picked fourth to to pick to uh, finish fourth in the conference, a team that we thought was going to be the team that finally broke that big East Friday night streak, which they still can. We'll see a team that we, you know, we thought was going to win an NCAA tournament game and, and break that streak. And a team that was not even anywhere close to the bubble, really in all of January and all of February and now into March. Never once even got on the bubble. You know, you look at the other disappointing seasons, of course. Lavin's first season was disappointing. Or not Lavin's first season. Lavin's first season in the New Big East was disappointing. 2013-2014. You know, a team with all that talent, right? D'Angelo Harrison, Jakar Samson, Phil Green, Sir Dominic, even though uh, Sir Dom wasn't the you know dominant player that he would have become the following year. That team had a ton of talent. Obviously, misses out on the NCAA tournament and then loses that game to Robert Morris in the NIT. But that team, at the end of the day, was on basically every single bracket as you know, last four in, first four out, going into the Big East tournament. That team ended up being basically a win away from the NCAA tournament if they would have won that game against Providence in the 2014 Big East tournament. You know, so that team was was right there. That team, at least, was was in the conversation. Look at, you know, a couple of years later, uh, you know, Lavin, or Mullen's final year. Of course, a disappointing season. You know, a team with, a, with a, again, a ton of talent. Shamori Pons, Mustafa Heron, uh, Marvin Clark, Justin Simon, LJ Figueroa. Maybe not a ton of depth and certainly were hampered by their head coach. But at the end of the day, that team was in the NCAA tournament. You know, the last team in, of course. And then, you know, kind of bowed out pretty unceremoniously, but still was on brackets, had a couple of big wins, you know, and and made the NCAA tournament. This team, with all of the preseason expectations, never even got close to the tournament, not even got, got close to the tournament picture. And I think that's the frustrating thing. And of course, you know, this team didn't have the talent, I would say, of those last two teams. You know, of, of the two teams I just mentioned, of the Mullins final year and of the 2014 team, but we thought that they did. We thought that they had that talent, and, and that ends up falling on the head coach. You know, obviously he struggled in games this season, of course, but at the end of the day, you know, if you didn't have the talent, that was on the head coach because that means he didn't recruit the right guys. You know, he recruited guys that we all thought were gonna work and that really, you know, outside of I would say Wheeler and maybe Soriano, none of them really worked. None of them really fit. A lot of them ended up being disappointments, all the transfers that came in. And I'll say this really, really quickly about the head coach. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I've made no qualms about it. You know, I, I do think that they should at least have that discussion about moving on from him and going somewhere else. Uh, do I think that they're going to do it? I, again, I'll say this. I, I 95% think that they will keep Mike Anderson. You know, if you ask me what I think they should do, I think they should look elsewhere. Because I, I just think that this is their ceiling, like I mentioned. But if you ask me what I think they will do, I, I'm almost certain that they're going to keep Anderson for at least one more season. And if, if next season, you know, we're talking about, you know, an eighth place finish in the, in the Big East again, then they'll move on from him. But the, the issue, you know, when, when you're this bad for 20 plus years and when you've gone through how many coaches, six, seven coaches since Luke Karnaseka, and, and it's the same thing over and over again, the issue extends past the head coach. The issue even extends past the AD. This is an entire department, an entire university thing the decision makers at st john's there there's there is so much wrong behind the scenes at st john's and think about the last two head coaching searches that we've had we ended up with chris mullen who was without a doubt the wrong probably the worst candidate that we could have picked and then we led a national embarrassment uh, head coaching search in 2019 so while if you if you think they should get rid of the head coach that's great but the question becomes do you really have faith in the people behind the scenes in, in you know the board behind the scenes making these decisions to get the right coach in here and i personally i don't it's it's just a broken broken department right now with with so many things wrong past the head coach and even past the athletic department or the the athletic director so you know, I don't have a whole lot of hope for for, uh, for the future for this team, but but you know, just sticking to this season, it, it, it ends up being a very very disappointing season. Okay, uh, I'm gonna welcome on Jay DeMeo now. Like I said, we're gonna talk about the we're gonna talk a little bit more about the regular season and how much of a disappointment it was, and then we will get into the Big East tournament. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, I'm now joined by Jay DeMeo. Has come on many many times over the past couple of seasons contributor to Johnny Nason. Not Johnny Nation and of course uh, Daily Dose of Hoops over there with Jaden Daly. Jay, how you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing good, Troy.
0: How are you? Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm hanging in there, and we're gonna do a little bit of a discussion tonight about the Red Storms' uh, regular season, and then we're gonna get into the Big East tournament. Of course, previewing the Big East tournament this week. Uh, first, though, I just want to get your you know your overall thoughts on the regular season for St. John's. Uh, I would assume a very disappointing one, but uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on just you know St. John's and end this season.
1: Uh, it's nothing short of a disappointment, a failure, a letdown, you know, you can come up with any word in the dictionary in a negative way that that will describe this season um they just really fell short in every way possible i mean they probably have to get at least one or two wins in the biggest tournament just to even make the nit <laughs> at this point point. and had i told you know a, a st john's fan in october that this team was going to be 16 to 14 with only eight biggest wins i don't think anyone would have a believe me and B, they would have said that, you know, clearly uh, un- unacceptable and can't happen in a year that we were expected to probably cruise the 20 wins, get an NCAA tournament appearance, and not only that, and potentially win a game or two there. Mm-hmm. And we, and they, they haven't even come close to that. The the dream of that has probably realistically been dead for about a month. I know they <laughs> had that run winning the game against Alex Xavier and when they routed Butler just to throw it all the way against a terrible game against Creighton and mm-hmm. then from there that was pretty much you know, the fork in the season but um, yeah you, you return to two of the five best players in the Big East coming into this year and Pasha and Julian they both regressed um, Pasha's jump shot basically vanished Julian had a hard time showing up in big games and all that combined with pretty some bad in-game coaching um Transfers not living up to the hype, mm-hmm. kind of developing and getting a hang of you know this level of play a little too late in the year, and a bunch of what ifs and close games of a team that didn't really know how to close out games, and what we have is the result we have.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and you know I was I was doing some some looking earlier today. I I, I said this earlier in the in the show. You know, it just it never felt like there was even a 3 or a 4 game stretch this season when you really felt like this was going to be a tournament team. Like they never put together even like 3 or 4 games in a row. That were impressive. Uh, I, I was looking at their their the Ken Palm rank of, of uh, all the teams that they beat this season, and in their their 16 wins they beat 13 teams, and the average Ken Palm rank was 190 of those teams. It just it felt like they didn't even have any really signature wins. I guess the best win was was at Seton Hall, I guess, and the the Xavier road win as well. But it just it feels like there was not even any really memorable moments or memorable wins from this season.
1: No, you're, you're you're spot on. I mean, eight Big East wins. Half of them were sweeping Butler in Georgetown. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that that's the story right there. Um, you we got. And Xavier's team got two wins against them as they've kind of, you know, started to spiral and are yeah. going to limp into the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a win against the Paul, and the really only win of merit is the the routing of Seton Hall. And that was, I guess, early enough in the big East season where they could have tried to put something together at that yeah. point to try to right the ship. And they just didn't. They, they, they couldn't build off of what was a great win, which a lot of people thought they were going to lose. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, you go to UConn, you lose a tough game in overtime and you mess up in, in, downs, and you go to overtime and you lose that game. The, the, you go to, you have Stephen Hall at the garden. They don't have Kadari Richmond. Mm-hmm. You don't even press them. And then they beat you by only scoring 60 points. <laughs> you, you're beating Creighton by seven at halftime on what is really like the last hurrah of the year. Their point guard, freshman of the year, goes down and breaks his arm. You stop pressing them, and they end up out executing you and um, getting a win on your home court. Um, same same story in the Providence in the Carne Sector. So just a bunch. Of, I can go on and on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It seemed like we saw the same movie of you know <laughs> twenty nineteen different times this season. Yeah, um, it's it's a shame. You have to start questioning, you know, what the outlook is going to be for next year. Mm-hmm. You're going to most likely be losing your best player to going pro. Obviously, there's a lot of roster turnover over college basketball these days with who transfers and who doesn't. So I really don't know what we're going to be looking at next year. And it's hard to, you know, have the expectation that, well, if this year wasn't an NCAA season, why should next year
0: yeah. be? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Uh, You mentioned earlier, you know, a a couple of different reasons for the – inconsistent play and for really the the disappointment uh, of this regular season you know not executing down the stretch of these games not being able to close out these uh, close out these close games you know the regression or the you know the non progression of champenny and posh uh, the rotations you know the the, the free throws there's, there's so many things that I think contributed to why this season was a failure but if you could just narrow it down to one thing the the, the biggest reason as to why this season w- was a total failure or this regular season was a failure uh, what would it be if you you just had to pick one
1: Uh, it's hard to pick one um to go with my gut um it would probably be the in-game coaching i I think i could come up with you know three or four games alone that the in-game coaching um just wasn't there and Mm -hmm. the fans were able to call out what was wrong (laughs) with it you know from their couches at home yep whether it's like I said, you know, you don't you don't press a Creighton and Seton Hall teams who don't have their best scorer in point guard. Yeah. Um... But the the out you don't have your big man against UConn to box out, so they don't let you know the best big man in the Big East and Sanogo get a rebound. You have Aaron Miller guarding him, mm-hmm. not you know <laughs> Noel Soriano who's on the bench for some reason. Yep, just you know you win two or three of those games that I just said, uh, even though the season still would have been a little shaky, but you're probably you know at least on the bubble.
0: Yep, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: with just two or three of those wins, mm-hmm. um, you look at this, the team's record in close games. Um, they were in every game they didn't get blown out so like I guess I'll give them credit there but you know how low your stand is you gotta you gotta actually you know wins you know win, the win column is what matters at the end of the day not just by keeping a game close mm-hmm. so when I see that this team is like 3-6 and six and games decided by 5 points or less and two of those three wins are against DePaul and Monmouth, <laughs> you gotta say to yourself that, you know, this team doesn't know how to execute down the stretch. Mm-hmm. And you see teams that are good at executing down the stretch, you know, Villanova, Providence. Those teams have great coaches. They know how to Yeah. They know how to adapt and like you like this team, I've been saying in my opinion, at any the slight amount of adversity that this team had, they kind of folded. Mm-hmm. You don't have Julian champenny for Pitt. I know he's your best player, but it's Pitt, and you lose on your home court. Yeah, you don't have Posh those two games against uh, UConn and Villanova, and you know the, the half court offense. It's already bad with him, but it just it's non-existent without him. Um, you don't have Joel Soriano, and you lose to DePaul. Like mm-hmm. Any any slight ounce of adversity this team had they kind of just folded and then obviously some share goes to the players but there's also just been so many times you looked and you're wondering did this team even game plan Yeah. look at last night how many wide open threes did Justin Lewis have last night <laughs> he's going to be the biggest player of the year potentially <laughs> yeah. so yeah.
0: just
1: a very frustrating year. Um, not the way anyone wanted it to go, from the coaching staff to the players to the fans. Um, a real shame. But yeah, I would I would put the in game coaching as you know the biggest probable uh-huh. probable reason of why we're at where we're at, followed by um, the regression of Posh and Julian, and mm-hmm. then you know the some of the transfers not panning out to what we thought they would be. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, 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 and I, I, I just you know I think that. Even with the coaching, even with the you know Julian and Posh not showing up, even with the, the transfers not really stepping up. To me, it's just like if if you just close out, like you mentioned, two more of those games that you lost, two of those six games that you lost by five or less. If you could just close out two of them, you know, don't don't knock the ball out of bounds against UConn. You know, don't have Aaron Wheeler guarding Sonogo on that last play against UConn. You know, close that game out. When you had the five or seven point lead against UConn at home, close that game out. Close out Providence. Like if you could have just closed out. Who of those games, like you mentioned, they're on, they're on the, uh, on the bubble right now. I think I would think so going into the tournament. That's the frustrating thing is like, even with all of the issues going on, they were still in so many of these games. And if they just had that, that winning instinct, like you mentioned, like Villanova and Providence had that they, they would be in just such a different spot right now to where we wouldn't be looking at the biggest tournament as like, all right, here we go. Like it would be a legitimate thing right now.
1: No, yeah, you're spot on. Mm-hmm. And just one of the things that gets me so frustrated is, you know, some people that like you know, they try not to criticize the school at any way possible. They um I mean like they'll say, Oh, we didn't have Posh for this game or Julian for that game. We had a COVID pause as, as if you know, trying <laughs> to as excuses. Like, yeah, like I guess you have a point in some cases, but look at Caton Hall. They don't have Bright's Aiken. Mm-hmm. They're best for it. They adjust and move on and they're gonna cruise to at least an eighth seed. Mm-hmm. Look at uh, Creighton—they Creighton, were picked, yeah. like seventh in the Big East, full team of freshmen. They, their star point guard goes down with a broken arm, and they just march along and beat hey, UConn, mm-hmm. and they're going to be firmly into the tournament. It, it's just—I really think seeing that this is the our, maybe the best year the Big East has been since realignment. And you look at seven teams that are going to be projected into the NCAA tournament, and St. John's isn't one of them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just uh, a pretty, just a pretty big failure on all accounts and
0: um yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's and you know, they have these seven tournament teams that they were really right there with all of them too, which is frustrating. Uh let's let's get into the big East tournament now a little bit. Let's uh let's talk Big East tournament. Uh to me I, I mean I mean just given all that we just discussed over the past ten minutes or so, I I can't remember being like this apathetic about going into a Big East tournament where I'm just like I, I don't know like I'm just not hyped for it at all in terms of St. John's at least I'm very excited for the other stuff but I, I just I, I don't know maybe I'm being too too hard on, on, on the team and maybe I'm being too negative but I like you and I talked off air about this you know I, I've just been kind of since that Creighton loss it's been kind of like I don't really care if they win or lose which is so weird to say I can't remember the last time that I I've, I've felt that way and I kind of feel that way going into the Big East tournament I'm like they win if they win a game or two they win a game or two great if they lose then I won't really be affected I mean what what are your thoughts like going into the Big East tournament
1: yeah the same as yours you know obviously we're going to be rooting for them yeah of course yeah -hmm. you you hope that they can you know go on some miracle run but they haven't they haven't gotten to Friday night you're not even asking for a championship they haven't they haven't gotten to the semis in 22 years (laughs) So what's going to make you believe that this year would be any different, but especially as good as the conferences this year? Mm-hmm. Um, and on top of that, I know they—they they, it was, you know, sure, good job beating Xavier at home the other night, but that actually probably hurt them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> now they
1: have a 7 seed. Um, you have to face DePaul as a 10, which is, you know, this isn't, you know, your normal dad's DePaul team. Mm-hmm. These, they got two, you know, absolute bucket getters, and Javon Freeman-Liberty and David Jones, mm-hmm. who just torched you the other night. And who knows, you know, it's one-one season series with them. Who knows how that game will go? I wouldn't be surprised if either team wins. Yeah. But um, I would, I think, I would think Butler's a much more favorable matchup for St. John's to get if they yeah. were the eight seed. And then if you do get past DePaul, you have to have a quick turnaround the next day. Who do you have to face? No, you don't get Providence, who <laughs> you, you nearly beat twice. You have to go face Villanova, <laughs> who just who has had a, a headlock on this tournament since you know 2013. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm
1: so every bad break possible in terms of (laughs) seeding matchups st john's could have got to even you know try for them to get a run you know the odds have just been that much more stacked against them
0: Mm -hmm. so so touching on a couple things that you just mentioned i i was looking at the the ken palm odds or whatever uh for the big east tournament today uh we have a 65 percent chance of winning against DePaul, and then i think we have like a like a 16 or something percent chance of actually making it to friday night so i'm curious your, your thoughts is there a better chance that we lose in the first round against DePaul paul or that we are able to just make it to friday night not win the whole thing but just make it to friday night what's the better chance of happening
1: there's a better chance of us losing to DePaul this, <laughs> like I said, this, I'm not even trying to you know be you know negative no sense. I this, agree
0: I agree this
1: this isn't you know a Dave Plato DePaul <laughs> team this is a completely different team and I know the record isn't going to say that they're anything good but they just routed Marquette the other night this team is capable of you know they have beat some good teams in conference this team is capable of, of you know beating a kind of beating down St. John's team at this point and another thing to add St. John's has not played good at Madison Square Garden <laughs> no, this
0: year at no. all
1: the only when they had that that court this season is against Georgetown. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing to make me believe like that this team's capable of getting there on on Friday night. And even if and if, if these games are close games down the stretch, I really don't have any confidence in St. John's <laughs> playing this out. St. John's really has to blow these these teams out by like eight or nine points or more. Yeah. Or if, even if they manage to play, whether it's the Paul and over close down the stretch, I still don't have you know the full confidence that this team or coaching staff will be able to execute the right way to get the job done. All
0: right. Well, let, let let's do a little bit of positivity here. Let's do some positive thinking. Let's say that you and I a week from. Now on uh I guess March thirteenth we're sitting here we're talking about St John just got picked in in Selection Sunday they just got picked because they won the Big East tournament they went on a four day run and they won the Big East tournament in your mind what happened like what has to happen for that to to actually be reality like what what players have to step up what has to go down for St John's to make this four day run and to win the Big East tournament
1: with Julian champetti going back to, you know, his normal self. Um, when he's on, I can give St. John's a chance to be in any game, but mm-hmm. he's shown that he hasn't been able to, you know, really do that on a consistent enough basis since play started. Um, and outside of that, you know, even though the way he's been playing teams are still going to game plan against him on the on the game plan preparation. So Posh Alexander has to step up. They need Aaron Wheeler to con- keep contributing. They need as much contribute, uh, contributing pieces as possible. It's they not, they can't, they can't this is one of the toughest terms in the country. They can't do it off of one guy's back. So they got to get, you know, the full, complete. Um, they need someone to come out of nowhere, kind of like Terry Coburn did the other night against yeah. Xavier. Someone that can come out of nowhere and drop 20 points. Who knows? Steph Smith could step up. Uh, Omar Stanley coming in, hopefully, if he has a hot hand and actually gets to play with it. <laughs>
0: so,
1: um that's what that needs to happen. They need to avoid any possible injuries. I know Joel Soriano's coming off of a knee injury. Um, Posh was hurt th- at some points this season. They need to be fully healthy mm-hmm. for that to happen too. So key contribute contributing pieces aside from Julian and Posh, mm-hmm. and staying healthy, making sure you have a full squad for this tournament stuff. The, the only way I can see this team, you know, doing some making some noise.
0: Yeah, and I think that they need to have Julian, Posh, and Wheeler really playing, you know, at a high level all together. Really. In in three or four straight games, which we've rarely seen this season, I I would say really the only game that we saw all of those guys kind of clicking at the same time was the home game against Butler. And that was when they really ran Butler out of the gym. Uh, I think that, you know, just everyone else aside, they need those three guys to really step up and play good at the same time, which we haven't really seen at all this season. Um, I want to get into now the rest of the conference as well. Uh, let's start at the top with 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 Providence. They are the one seed. I don't think that they're even the favorite though. If you look at all the, the betting lines and the futures odds, I think they actually even have like the third highest odds to be honest. Um, what's your take on Providence? Do you, do you, do you see them as frauds? Like kind of is the popular thing, uh, or do you see them as a legitimate team that could you know not only win the Big East tournament but maybe make a run in the NCAA's? What's your take on them?
1: I think they're a very solid team. I don't. I'm not gonna. I know they have like a whole. They're at the top of the country in luck percentage or something. <laughs> Um, they have had some lucky wins, I'll, I'll say, but overall I think, you know, they're close to as good as their record says they are. They've given you enough sample size to to, to show you what they are. They have the thing I like about that team is they have vets on it. They have a great coach. They have Nate Watson who's been there for a, a gajillion years. <laughs> Jared, Jared Bynum's great. They have the Indiana Transfer, um, Durham, Durham contributed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when Nora when Noah Horkler's going, he presents, you know, one of the best outside shooting threats in the Big East. So they have a lot of guys on that team that can, you know, beat you in many different ways. So I don't think they're, you know, as fraudulent or whatever some people say they are. You know, it's crazy when you look at what their net ranking is compared to what their overall record is. Yeah. I will say they, uh, I do have a little beef with them they they had like four games cancelled and out of those four they're not remaking three of them but they managed to uh, reschedule the Georgetown game of course <laughs> so I'd love to know what was the game plan and thinking behind those decisions but um, seems a little fishy to me yeah. but I'll give them credit where credit's due. They had an outstanding season, played better than anyone said. Every time people doubted them, they just kept on winning. You know, the only teams that really beat them were Marquette once and I think Nova twice. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so I think they could definitely make noise. But uh, my pick, and who I think is going to make the most noise this year, is UConn because they get a caravan of UConn fans to come to MSG Uh and I would assume that's going to be the case with their first time back in this tournament in eight years so I think UConn has the guys enough that I don't think I don't have UConn going deep in March, but I have them going deep in this tournament. Okay, and I have them as one of my picks to be playing on Saturday night.
0: Okay, okay. You mentioned Providence. You mentioned UConn. Of of, of course, you know, as we said earlier, Villanova kind of runs the conference. Is there anyone else that you think could kind of make a run here besides besides those three? Like, how many teams I th- should go into Wednesday and Thursday? You know, realistically thinking that they could be winning this tournament. How many teams would you say?
1: I would say UConn, Villanova, Providence... Seton Hall Mm -hmm. And maybe Marquette Okay But I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Seton Hall too As one of the teams I think that'll be playing Possibly this Saturday night As well Okay Uh, They've won this tournament Before I think they got the guys To do it Um, Obviously I'm sure They wish they had Bryce Aiken But they've kind of Figured out how to get You know Get things going And learn to play Without him Um, They're coming off A great win Against a a red hot Creighton the other day On Mm -hmm. the road Um, They don't They Aside from St. John's They're the other team That's really not Having to travel for this, yeah. So I think they're gonna have a decent crowd there too. So um, I really like uh, seeing Hall to make some noise here too.
0: Is there a team that you know is going to be that kind of sleeper team? in your mind or not not maybe not that it's going to happen but that you could see it happening similar to georgetown last year where they win the four games in four days and win it all is there a team you know maybe it's maybe it's saint john's i don't know that can win like you know that can start on wednesday and win four games in a row i know seton hall is playing on wednesday but i I wouldn't really put them in that class uh is is there a sleeper team in in this field that you see could make kind of a a, you know an, an unseen unforeseen run
1: Yeah, I think I would go with Xavier. Mm -hmm. Everyone's kind of written them off. Like I said, they're going to be limping into the tournament. So I think they're going to be the most desperate team in this tournament. And sometimes a team that's really desperate and is really kind of going with their backs up against the wall is when they turn it up the most. Mm -hmm. So I think they have some pieces that can get them far. I still think Paul Scruggs is a great player. Same with Adam Kunkel and... um, their big man, uh, I can't think of his name, but um Zach Fremantle hasn't been the same player no. this year as he has last year, but if maybe you can get him to turn it on. Um, they're a really desperate team, and they're, they're going to be on the right side of the bracket, mm-hmm. but there's a real chance they might be sweating out, you know, playing in Dayton in the first four right now, and if they can make some noise in this tournament, then I think you know that's going to be some real motivation for them to try to get them a better seed. And I think if they can get to it, at least Friday night, they'll probably play themselves off of that you know last four in category and maybe more towards a, a an at large year. Mm-hmm. So if I had to go to sleeper, I would go with Xavier. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I agree 100. percent and and we've seen it with Xavier this season. You know, they were ranked in the top 25 for a good portion of the year. Like we know that it's there with them. Uh, they've just been in this major slide recently. That was you know a lot of St. John's doing actually. Uh, they're going to get a game Thursday night or Thursday afternoon that's not real or Wednesday afternoon, that's not really going to help them all that much. And then, like you mentioned, they're a desperate team playing against Providence. Uh, that's a game that I could really see going either way. And, uh, you know, yeah, then, the
1: last time they played at Providence, yeah. uh, they triple overtime exactly this team team is definitely capable of you know going deep in this tournament so um, and uh, they're in the middle of their kind of slide right now I know they just beat Georgetown but you know a lot of teams in this conference you know at some point do hit their slide Mm -hmm. Uh, usually with Seton Hall it's in January it's all about when you have it we would be saying the same thing about Seton Hall had their would been right now instead of January, but they were able to figure it out. So it's a new month; it's kind of a new chapter to the season. So, yeah, I really like Xavier to possibly make some noise here as a sleeper.
0: Definitely, definitely. All right. Well, well, well. Uh, this will be the last thing from me here. I want to hear first your prediction on St. John's. How far does St. John's go? Do they win a game? Do they win? Do they go all the way? Do they lose in the first round? And your prediction for a a champion? Who do you think is cutting down the nets on on Saturday?
1: I'm gonna go with St. John's will get to Thursday, mm. and I think they'll play Nova close. Actually, okay, both time, both games against Nova. You know, they weren't you know total blowouts, but they weren't really kind of close at, in the same sense. Um, that the last time they played Nova was without Posh, mm-hmm. so I think them being fully healthy here will help them. Uh, It'll be, I think, I think Anderson will get them up for it. They really don't get blown out much. So I think they'll, they'll handle business on Wednesday night against DePaul. And I think they'll lose eventually to Villanova on Thursday, but I think it'll be, you know, a five-point game. As for my winner, uh, I'm gonna go with Seton Hall. Oh, okay. I'm gonna do it. I, they, they've won it this tournament before. Everyone's gonna be focused on Villanova and Providence. Um, I do think Providence will finally, you know, come back down to earth a bit and you know, kind of reset for um, March Madness. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't in the bracket right now is Villanova slated to? possibly play Seton Hall before the championship or would they meet in the championship I
0: think that would be that would be Friday night because Nova is two and Seton Hall would be playing the three which would be UConn on Thursday so Seton Hall would go would go Georgetown UConn then possibly Nova and then and then the title game
1: yeah that's who I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with uh see I re, I just Kevin Willard might be my favorite coach in this league. You know, <laughs> obviously outside of Jay Wright, but Kevin Willard, is such a good coach. He yeah. always finds a way to kind of adapt with whatever adversity um, he's gotten. And, he, and this, this is going to be what I think five or six out of the last seven years that he's going to make the tournament outside of you know the wonky kind of year last year mm-hmm. was. So he's just really done an amazing job at that school, especially with you know they don't have the best facilities. You know, Seton Hall you don't think it was a Destination for anyone, but he's completely made it work, and I would take him as a coach any day. So I think he's going to have his guys ready, and I know he was one of the teams that fell to Georgetown in their run last year. So I think he's going to want to, yeah, <laughs> try to get back into at least you know a championship appearance here.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with UConn. I think. Uh, I just uh, like you mentioned before, you know, first their first Big East tournament with fans in in nine years. I think it would be. Uh, I'm going to go with UConn. I, I I'm going to say UConn and Providence. I think is is going to be my final. I think that line up Uh, I'm going to take UConn but I think that's the fun thing about this tournament you know is that there are like we said four or five teams that you could make a legitimate case for I mean you just mentioned the six seed as your pick of course Villanova, Providence, UConn uh, you know even Marquette and and Creighton I think have a shot as well you know there's a bunch of teams it it should be a really fun uh, couple of days at the Garden.
1: Oh, I can't wait. Bias aside, I think it's, you know, one of the best tournaments in the country, um, you know, just from the history and the tradition of it. And it it just has an extra, you know, layer to it that I think other conference tournaments don't have. Like, you take a look at the ACC. Why the hell are they playing the Barclays better?
0: Yeah, that's ridiculous.
1: It just kind of ruins any of the mystique or glamour that that tournament should have. That that tournament should be in Greensboro every year. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what the thinking is. But, yeah, Big East Tournament, Madison Square Garden, man the the final send off before you know brackets come out in selection Sunday you know nothing better
0: mm-hmm. yeah and I you know it's going to be a fun tournament I just, I just wish we could actually be a part of the fun in St. John's we're, we always seem like we're the ugly kid that doesn't get invited to the dance so maybe this year will be different I don't know but uh, judging from our conversation over the last 20 minutes I don't think so uh,
1: just, just don't just don't lose Wednesday don't yeah. lose to <laughs> twice in the same season don't do it on your home court you know at least go out losing to you know the king of the conference yes. on the next day It's going to be an ugly, ugly thursday and wednesday night if we lose to DePaul, paul yeah. so i really really hope for everyone's mental health positive or negative fan that we can at least just get by
0: that game exactly just just win that one and you know it, it won't be embarrassing at least um yeah. jay thank you so much man for coming on here talking biggies tournament talking st john's uh, everyone could follow you on twitter at jason one do a fantastic job covering the red storm you're a great follow on there jay thank you so much man
1: anytime sure thanks for having me on
0: all right have a good one Okay, thanks again to Jay DeMeo for coming on there, giving some thoughts on the Red Storm's regular season and on the Big East tournament. You can follow Jay on Twitter at JasonDeMeo1. That last name is D-I-M-A-I-O-1. He does the work with Johnny Nation and with Daily Dose of Hoops covering uh, not only the Red Storm, but Hofstra, Iona, all of the local uh, New York City area teams. So definitely, definitely check out his work on there. And thank you to Jay for another season. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to have him on to break down any more games because there's so few games left. Uh, But thank you to Jay. I believe that's his third season on this show. So thank you to him. Uh, Yeah, that just about wraps up this show now. We will be back maybe this week for a podcast, depending on how... How far they go in the Big East tournament? Uh, I, I probably won't be doing any any like rapid reactions or anything like that. Uh, I'll be at the games, but uh, I, it's it's tough to record there. I, I tried to do it a couple of years ago, if you guys remember, for the Big East tournament, and it's just it's very loud. It's hard to find a quiet place to record. But uh, I, I'll have my stuff, and if I'm able to, we'll see. Uh, but but more than likely, I'll just do a show, uh, maybe like at the end of this week or the start of next week, kind of recapping the Big East tournament, unless they make a run and then. Maybe plans will change a little bit, but I'm I'm not too bullish on them making a run. Uh, You know, like I said, like me and Jay, like Jay and I said, it it just they haven't done it really at all this season. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, they they just haven't put together really a three or four game run all season long. So I I just, I personally, I don't think it's going to start now. But uh, but we will see about it. You know, maybe maybe this is the time. Maybe this is the time that they all put it put it all together for a three or four day run in the Big East tournament. So uh, we will see. But thank you all for listening to this. Be back later this week And as always Let's go Johnny's